Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my friend, Damon Manley. Damon, how are you doing, my buddy? I'm good, brother. Good to see you, man. Glad to be here. Yeah. Do you want to give the listeners a little bit of a, a background on you in terms of maybe pumping yourself up? Let's inflate you before we maybe deflate you. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So my name is Damon Manley. Uh, I'm also known as at winning with ADHD on Instagram. Kind of where my, that's where our brand is right now. I'm an ADHD coach, also known as an executive functioning coach. I've been doing that for about a year. I'm I actually think the last week was my year anniversary of starting the business, not necessarily for making money, which we'll get into a bit later, but a little background on me. I, I grew up here in Charleston, born and raised uh, my entire life. And then I decided to actually graduate and go to college of Charleston for exercise science. So I graduated with a bachelor's in exercise science, never used it. Uh, so I ended up walking out of college with $30,000 in debt and, um, you know, just a piece of paper basically and hold on to memories. Uh, the best thing that came from college for me was I met my beautiful wife, got married right after graduation in 2017. And uh, from there, I went to work for six years at Chick-fil-A, which is if you're from the South or most of the U.S., you know, it's an amazing chicken restaurant <laughs> that does fast food right. So that's where I got a sense of business. And uh, I think that's probably one of my more proud times of my life is that I, you know, learned how to run a business at 22 years old, just from, from doing it. And, um, had a lot of wins and losses there, a lot of failures, a lot of learned experiences, you know, I lead the, led to burnout, which is eventually what led me to full-time entrepreneurship and to my first big failure, I think, uh, which again, we'll talk about here in a few minutes, but, um, I'm going to say my first guest. No, that sounds dumb. If I don't know that one, somewhere between one and 13th guest, his name is Bing Oliver. I think it's 13. He was a Chick-fil-A franchise owner, and he loves talking to former Chick-fil-A employees and stuff. Also, as a side note, I thought it was called Chick-fil-A growing up because I'm an idiot. And also, the spelling does not look like Chick-fil-A. So if nobody ever says it to you or points it out while you're looking at it, uh, you could maybe think it's Chick-fil-A. That's right. Would you go back and pay $30,000 just to get your wife? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Perfect. So it's not just a piece of paper, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's great. That's a good question. Because <laughs> I went twice. I went for undergrad and graduate and I still got nothing, or at least I got fired from all my jobs. So yeah, uh, clearly that didn't work out too well. Um, happy one year anniversary as a coach. Appreciate it. Don't worry about making money because I'm on my 10 year anniversary of, with a business, but <laughs> it was free for the first eight years and I was paying money to teach people. So, you know, whatever anniversary makes sense to celebrate, I'm down with that. Yeah. I did not know you're in Charleston. So what's it like over there these days? Love it, man. I, I take the beach for granted. I'm definitely one of those people that's like a, you know, a greedy local, I guess. I, I don't love the beach because people like move here for the beach and I'm like, I'm ready to get away from the beach. But uh, the town and cities as a whole are pretty incredible. I went to college, you know, like I said, on the peninsula downtown, which is like a totally different environment and culture compared to the rest of the surrounding areas. And really like a melting pot so i love it i mean yeah it's just been great um you know even though like i said i went to college charleston 
Uh, I felt like I was home away from home in the sense I've, I was very familiar with the area, but it was so different from where I grew up, even though I was like 10 minutes away. It just felt like I was still away from my family and, you know, with parents and kind of like freedom type feeling. Um, so love it. Love it. I'm looking to, to get away eventually, though, maybe in the mountains or something like that. But Hey, that's what I did. So I grew up in Salem, Massachusetts, which is right near the ocean. Uh, it's actually right on the ocean, but it's cold as all hell up there. Um, <laughs> And then I moved to the mountains to Colorado when I was 27. So I'd suggest if you want the mountains, Colorado is a great plus. Are you a snowboarder or a skier or are you just like the mountains? I went once or twice in eight years that I lived there. And so wow. I'm what they call an idiot for not <laughs> taking advantage of it. But you got to wake up at like 5 a.m. and beat all the traffic and yeah. have people who are with you who have skis and stuff like it was fun. It was amazing. Way better. That's like my passion, man. That is snowboarding is my passion. Yeah. Really? Oh man. Everything I do right now is to that end. Basically is to move to a mountain. That's where you need to go then because the pow pow is fresh, but I don't clearly know enough. But when I was in back in Boston, the closest place is Vermont and it'd be like an ice sheet and I'd be like, whatever pizza slicing my way down with the, with the skis. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Uh, also what, why is it so icy yeah but when you're in colorado it's like really nice and easy and i finally got the hang of it but i've never tried snowboarding because i heard you got to just either hurt your ass a lot or fall on your face i guess there's two options right yeah fair enough back, back right. and forward what got you i was much better at snowboarding though i hated i hated skiing i almost never went back to a mountain because the first two or three times i skied and i hated it well charleston ain't ain't nowhere near no right uh snow so where'd you go snowboarding for the first time so it's terrible yeah it's that's like you know, it's the funniest oxymoron ever is I live in Charleston, but I love to snowboard. Like what? I'm my closest snowboarding like, mountain is like four hours away. What really got me into that is um, I went out West to Oregon to bend Mount Bachelor. Um, it's a volcano. You can snowboard like 360 degrees around it. It's pretty insane. But um, my name with a D at the end. Yeah, exactly. Bend Oregon. <laughs> it's also like a very small Charleston up in the mountains. It's pretty funny. Yeah, so I get, I get the it. bend over thing. Quite a bit so um <laughs> but bendo are really with oregon um so what led you to what led you to even figure out that you had adhd i imagine that happened before you became a coach yeah absolutely it's a great question thank you i like as i, as I said i luckily graduated college but i went in with high hopes wanted to be a you know i went in pre-med did very very well in in middle and high school and you know kind of expected to make a's uh, for my family. So I went to college thinking, okay, I never really had to study. The college is going to be easy. I'll be just fine. I almost fell out my freshman year. Uh, at the end of my first semester of freshman year, I had a 1.8 GPA, which is academic probation. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed being at college. Like the, the, the partying, the friends, the, you know, the freedom basically is. Of course we all did. I mean, that's where I first got drunk, but wait, what do you feel about being on academic probation? When they, when they gave you that label, they said, slap, here's a, here's a probation. How'd you feel? Yeah, it was, it was terrible, man. And, and the, I think the worst part though, the, the biggest emotion I felt was probably just fear. One from my dad was very, very strict and didn't, you know, it was very much like, if you don't pull it up, don't get your crap together, you're coming home. And I'm like, I don't want to go home. I'm right. I, I love being an adult, you know? And, uh, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of did the bare minimum that I could to pass the second semester. I actually brought it up. I just enough to, to balance it out to a 2.0, which like could keep you in. 
And so it's like a 2.3, my second semester. Were you barely trying or were you trying your hardest? No, I mean, I don't know. So I don't think I knew how to study, literally. Like I didn't have any structure. I had no like steady skills. I, you know, it looked like work ethic, but I really, what it was, is I was just avoiding studying because I didn't know what I was doing. And um, so Chick-fil-A had the blueprint. They're, they're like, a, you know, a franchise thing. So it's like, here's all the rules, follow these rules and you're all yeah, good. But college absolutely. is like, go have fun and also figure out how to do school. And you're like, it was all on your end. There's no accountability at all. And the professors don't care really, you know, they're getting paid no matter what. They don't really care. You you're an adult. Now you make your own decisions, do your own thing. So mm-hmm. um, that lack of accountability left like had me struggling big time. And so my sophomore and junior year, uh, you know, I continued to procrastinate and all this, uh, you know, I was like, people just thought I, I couldn't do it. Like I just didn't have the the willpower to do it. My, my parents were really frustrated with me, but I managed to continue to survive. So that was all that mattered. I, I could stay in, was still passing all that stuff. I actually did take Adderall a couple of times under the table to, to do a, a 24 hour, you know, like an all nighter or, or like finish a project in like two days, you know, whatever. And I realized it did help me. Uh, but my dad was a cop. So I grew up with a cop. And so I didn't really do anything that was like illegal or underage or anything like that growing up. And then, you know, college happened. I was able to do anything I wanted to. And mm-hmm. it led to one time I went home back to Orangeburg, which is where he lived at the time, which is like an hour and a half north from here. And um, he called me out on buying Adderall under the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, I used to get some from my roommate. That's how I first did it. And I'm like, oh, right. this is amazing. And I don't know if it's just the drug or yeah, I have a problem, but this is great. And I never thought I had it. I never thought I had ADHD. The only thing that hinted that I had it is the fact that I didn't get the same feeling from Adderall that everyone else did. Like it actually helped me and I was able to focus and get things done rather than like go wild and like enjoy concerts or whatever people think it's for. And so he called me out on it and I was, you know, ashamed. I had bought it on the day. Yeah, oh, yeah. We got it. We can cheers here in a second. If you like. Yep. Med check because I I did not I have not taken it I don't have a time or anything so it's like kind of chaotic yeah. yeah go ahead so he called me out on it and I was I was never really one to lie because I was scared of lying I I couldn't keep my lies because I couldn't remember how I lied <laughs> you know and so is this RSD or something else um, no this is just uh I mean so anxiety what what was it that made you not want to lie do you think it was anything ADHD related or just how strictly you were brought up. Oh, it was ADHD related in the sense of I couldn't remember my lie. So I always end up like contradicting myself and kind of ratting myself out. So I just, yeah. I ended up just taking the brunt at the beginning. Truth's easier to remember. Yeah, exactly. Still, still so, hard sometimes, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Like the um, hilarious, oh my God, that reel that you put at the story with the a butterfly in the sky, the radio rainbow one. And they're asking you what you did over the weekend and you just blank out. I mean, it's like that kind of thing where it's like your own life. You should know what's happening. You know, it's like, oh, man, is this going to be on the test? But, you know, yeah, every Sunday, it feels like we get asked that from like all of our family and friends. And they're like, what did you how was your weekend? It was good. I think I'm alive. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I don't remember. I watched basketball, I guess, for an hour. I don't know. I call 23 guy. I call my Nana every Sunday and I'm actually, she's going to have her on the podcast. I'm trying to get her out by MS awareness month end, which is the next 10 days, but we have like five different recordings that I'm, I'm slicing together in different ways, but it's funny because why is it funny? What were we just talking about? Let's think about it. Um, It's funny because the weekend we were talking about forgetting. Yeah. Every week I talk to her. So, and I have no updates. I have no, no good updates to give her. Cause she's like, we you know what happened with, 
the car that you're supposed to sell or are these, these other things that I'm like, oh, Nana, please just let's talk about anything else. I don't want to tell you I'm still <laughs> doing the wrong thing. Um, but what you said about fear and having so what I like to say, and I was just looking up recently to see if I'm original with it or not, is I use fear as fuel. So if I feel fear, it's like that's a sign that I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. And what I come up with is it sounds like it was in a TED talk by somebody else. I'm not sure if I saw it there first or not, but I don't like stealing things. So I was just looking it up. But really, you're going out of your comfort zone. If you're feeling that tingle of I shouldn't be doing this or this is something that's uncomfortable for me, if you're not hurting anybody, obviously, you know, that's a sign that you're doing something good, because if you're doing things that just make you comfortable, you're not probably doing enough things that are, uh, that are pushing your boundaries in a healthy way. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly actually. And, you know, as we dive more into like my story and stuff, you'll probably see that kind of played throughout. I was very used to sitting in my comfort zone, but actually that's been a theme of what I've been working with a lot of my clients with recently is I'm I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Robbins. He has kind of this idea of like a thermostat, right? So like Mm -hmm. our body is a thermostat or our, our brain is a thermostat in the sense of like, uh, it wants to stay where it's comfortable, right? So if our thermostat is set at 70 degrees and yet like maybe at 90 is that we start pushing ourselves in a new level, um, our brain isn't comfortable there. So it starts to try and bring you right back down to where you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of consistency in a high temperature, quote unquote, yep. to regulate that thermostat. And uh, it takes a lot of time outside of your comfort zone and get used to that. Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Can you give the listeners, I did, I did a whole month ADHD thing. I still haven't released a couple. Sorry, Dan flat. Sorry. Other people who've I've recorded and haven't released yet, you know, editing stuff. So how can you explain your understanding? Neither of us are medical professionals, correct? Right. Definitely. So not this is, this is definitely our opinion here, but uh, can you explain the difference in your eyes between the three, what I believe are three types of ADHD and I could be wrong. Cause I'm not, most people think there's one kind, which is like a bunch of boys running around doing too much stuff and yelling sure. around, you know, people. But yeah. really, there are multiple types. And I'd love for you to just quickly define them so the listeners might get some insight. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I was considered that there was just ADHD and ADD, right? I didn't know. Um, but come to find out after I got my diagnosis of ADHD, I was like, man, I don't necessarily agree with that because I'm not hyper. Like, I'm pretty like laid back, never got in a lot of trouble as a good kid, quote unquote, whatever. And mm-hmm. um, so I looked into a little bit and ADD actually was no longer a, a thing. They changed it all into ADHD back in like 1982 or something, but there's still people these days that still say ADD, right? Because it's, I'm not hyper. I'm just ADD. To your point, Seth Godin says, once they found out that doctors should be washing their hands before delivering a baby and it increases the, the amount uh, the survival rate, like an insane amount. It still took 20 years for all doctors to start doing that. So like, it takes a while for things to get around to the public. So that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. To me, at least, especially because no one knows what it is unless you're suffering from it. So yeah, we're in an age right now where so many people are learning about it too. So I think we're just getting to the point now where people are like, Oh, like ADD doesn't exist. And you know, for even another 10 or 15 years, people will probably still use that term. So anyway, so ADHD is hyperactive. Um, it's also broken down into combined type and inattentive type. Uh, and so I kind of realized I'm the inattentive type, which is what people know as ADD. So I have a really hard time focusing on uh, one thing at a time and not getting distracted by other thoughts or sounds or things in my environment. 
I do have, I'm more hyperactive in my mind than in maybe like physically. Right. So I think that's one of the bigger differences. People just assume that and I think that's why they combine them all. Right. Because there is still a certain level of hyperactivity that we all deal with for you. It might be more active and more fidgety, more like high energy on the outside. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more of this kind of like fast brain, like lots of ideas, lots of thoughts going through my head at any given moment and having a hard time separating those and organizing them into like be able to grasp them and they're also distracting. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then combined will be a little bit of both. Right. So I would actually say that I, there are definitely days where I would consider myself combined. Right. Then my, my psychiatrist never told me I had inattentive type cause they, most of them wouldn't know. I went once for like forever ago and they gave me a 19 question quiz. I knew all the right answers, but I didn't lie. And then I basically was told I had ADHD. I found out yesterday from Ari, one of our close friends, who's also an ADHD coach, and she's combined as well. So she's like, are you combined? You think? And I'm like, well, what's the difference? I don't know. I've only known the one and I'm happy to know more about myself. And I'm definitely both because I I'm easily distracted. I'm yeah, you know, it's like, oh, what's that thing? Let me go play with that for a couple hours and but I don't hear that and I don't see that. And so a lot of times with the inattentive folks, you can get undiagnosed yeah. or go undiagnosed for a very long time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was diagnosed at 25 and I'm 27 right now. So only two years, May 2nd will be my diagnosis two year anniversary. Look at this hair. I'm, I'm 10 years older than you. I got a, I got a whole decade on you and, I, but that's okay. You know more about this. Cause I I've, I've literally learned nothing. I just know that it's hard to get my meds on time. It's hard to stick with the schedule with meds because they treat you like a criminal. It's like, I don't know what to tell you, but the doctor said I can have it. So what's the, what's the point? Literally, literally, I got somebody from the local CVS fired because they wrote it on a piece of paper and that said non-controlled substances. And I don't know that. And I don't care what form they give it to me in but they literally that next i'm gonna say literally again next time i went they said that they fired the woman over it i'm like why would you tell me that why would you tell me that why would you put that on me and then tell me it you know i didn't need to know yeah now i just feel bad because because the system's so messed up that she can't fill a legitimate prescription you know it's crazy yeah i got a there was an i have an iphone so i got a notification from apple news this weekend like a highlight was talking about how ADHD medication is being over, over um, prescribed and too easy to get at the moment. And I'm, you know, I get frustrated about that, especially like now as I'm getting more to advocacy and learning about like the, the negative stigma around it and how much, how, in, how inaccurate the information is out there. Since COVID started, there's been over a 400% increase in diagnoses. And when people say, oh, well, it's been overdiagnosed and so many people are just going and easily getting diagnosed. Well, no, this is, I think, more accurate than it's been in the past. People are learning about it. And attentive yeah. type is becoming more understood. And so, like you said, with your girlfriend, at least late diagnosis, people, I mean, there's so many people have lived and died with inattentive ADHD and never known, you know? So um, these people that are getting diagnosed now are the inattentive type, the females and the, the small percentage of males that um, also have it. So it's easy for us to, to go undiagnosed because we get so good at masking, mm-hmm. right? So the people who like, the, the typical, what people think of as the the kid, the the boy that got in a lot of trouble in, in elementary school, that got an early diagnosis. The, the thing was, is he, he kind of thrived off of the dopamine he got from the negative and the positive, you know, feedback from his classmates, the positive from his classmates, like laughing and carrying on with him and, and, and like him becoming popular because of that. And then also the negative, you got dopamine hit from 
you know, getting in trouble and stuff like that. And so he didn't care to hide it or mask it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't care to, it took me a long time to get to the point of, of calling myself a failure, meaning to, you know, actually address some of the problems that were going on. I'm like, I'm getting fired from every job I've had. Like what mm. is going on? I don't have to face it ever. Cause corporate America doesn't make you do that. They say he works from X to X for, and this is how much we paid him. Cause they don't want you to come back there or whatever. like, they don't want to deal with you. They're like, we don't want to keep answering this question or whatever it is. They just don't say you got fired. So I could just make up any excuse. Mm. And then it took me like five times before I was like, I didn't choose any of these. I didn't choose. I couldn't have stayed if I wanted to, you know, kind of mm. thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going on there? And since I'm from Boston, my, my tone can sound shitty sometimes. And so I'm like, what can I do to make it not so bad? If I'm the world's number one failure and I'm giving you advice, how can I be coming from above you? I got to be coming from underneath you being like, I don't know what's going on, but this is what I've learned. Take it or leave it. I'm just going to keep doing this. And and to your point about Tony Robbins and a lot of other people, I read so many self-help books. Most of them said, you got to get comfortable with failure. I could not implement any of the good things in my life. So I'm like, I'm going to put it on my license plate. I'm going to look at it every day and I'm going to get comfortable with that. And then everyone else in traffic is going to laugh at me and take pictures of my car apparently. And then I'm going to get over people caring. Cause I mean, like after, after three months, after a year, after a year and a half of, of caring what everybody who drives by you thinks of you, you stop caring what people think about you because you just can't spend that much time doing it. And so it's like exposure therapy, but just weirder. So um, it was not what I intended with it, but it's, I was even surprised like a dumbass that it was available. I was like, wow. But then no, of course no one wants that. And then, and then I had a bumper sticker that said, honk if you honk if you're a big failure and i was like oh i'm gonna get a lot of honks this is gonna be nice and then it was like a honk deterrent it was like they didn't want to honk at me because they thought that meant like it was like a, a like a non-road rage kind of thing and i was like i want more people to be honking at me I, clearly i like the failure thing and i was like it's hard to get people to do anything i, I put a thing that said take went to the website and i said take a picture they're already taking pictures. So I'm like, just zoom in, look at my website. And then it says, send me the picture. I got one picture sent to me over like a year and a half. And it was from an in and out in California in the drive-thru. But other than that, nothing else. It's hard to get people to do stuff. So that's more talking about like media marketing and stuff like that. You got to really lubricate people's like energy point. Cause like, it's tough to get anybody to do anything. I, I would absolutely, if I took that picture and I could zoom in and find out the website and go and they said, give it to me. I would, I'd be that one person at in and out who's sending it over. Cause like, if I'm cracking up, like I saw so many people take the picture, why wouldn't you then do something with it besides whatever you did with it? But we can't get people to open emails even, which is way easier. You know, do you, I don't yeah. know if you do many email marketing, but you're crushing it on Instagram. Is that like your main thing or do you TikTok as well? Or yeah, right now it's just Instagram. Um, I do kind of cross pollinate with TikTok, but TikTok's not really my, I don't know. It's not really my audience. I don't think I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to work with driven entrepreneurs and business owners and people who want to get better. And I think, you know, there is not saying those people don't exist on TikTok, but I think it's much less frequent there. Whereas there's a lot of small businesses on Instagram, right? Like, you know, where you should go reels on Instagram. Good. And, LinkedIn. and I'm not saying to go, yeah, I'm not saying to go off of Instagram. I'm not saying that Instagram isn't great, but in addition to it, LinkedIn is now doing LinkedIn audio, which is a broken mess, 
but only like 500 people can host rooms at the moment. And so like all the people who are in those rooms are like very much, uh, you know, leaders in either audio or just leaders in putting themselves out there. And the bar for making people laugh is so much lower. So you're going to crack everybody up because I make jokes all the time on there. And it's like during a business meeting, no one's expecting a joke. So it's like way funnier than if you're in a, instagram thing which is joke city you know yeah so you'll be you'll be like bringing over your hilariousness and people will be like what's this guy all about and literally i've seen so many people who are just crushing it because they are funnier than the average linkedin user and you would be miles beyond that so i'd say get in there and also that's how i'm going to be able to connect you to people who who matter hopefully but uh but that's where your long form content can live too because if you want to have articles and stuff about small business owners and stuff like that. You don't want to be missing out on them because they're, you know, while they might be on Instagram, um, I don't know. You tell me what you think intensive ADHD folks would be on LinkedIn doing too much there. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I absolutely agree because there's a lot of, <clears throat> this brought me back to my point earlier of like a lot of us, I was this close to being in the safe job, right. For the rest of my life, just living in the corporate world, nine to five, Mm-hmm. making decent money and feeling safe. But I was, so I had that literally six times. I, I mean, I've made six figures at multiple jobs and I, I can't even get myself to work. Wow. Cause I mean, micromanaged to death, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of people there now that have intensive ADHD don't really know it, or maybe they do know it. They're just stuck. They're stuck behind the mask of wanting to be safe and do what the world says, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think they're there. That for now, I'm using Instagram. I, it seems so boring, but I, I promise you, it'll be worth it. Tony Robbins is there. He's got 7 million followers on LinkedIn. It's crazy. You know, so, I, I have about a thousand followers on LinkedIn, actually. And when I, when I first started, I did, I, I was there. I optimized when I you know, first got enough. You're not too late. You're not too late. I promise you, because I only got like 2,000 something, but turn on creator mode. Then instead of connecting, you're going to be following you. Yeah. And then, and then connecting is a secondary thing, but then you can get access to LinkedIn lives which I just did my first one the other day and I popped on and I had no idea that a hundred and something people were watching. Cause I was on someone else's thing and I was showing everybody how to use Excel. And I was like, I had no idea. I couldn't read the chat. I couldn't see that anything. So I was like, I hope, uh, I hope I'm teaching people stuff or whatever. And then afterwards I go look at the comments. And I'm like, Oh my God. Cause it was someone else's stream that I, it was a restream that I joined into. And it's mm. like, all you gotta do is network with the right people. And then they bring you into their place. And just, if you give them value, they'll, well, I'll bring you around the, those streets, you know, but, um, and we'll be streets ahead. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do have, uh, I guess creator mode. I have, I guess I'm like, like a creator on LinkedIn. Uh, after I started blowing up on Instagram, I kind of revisited and re-optimized to make sure that like, in case people wanted to find me there, they could. And so, you know, we should do our first, I'll do your first uh, LinkedIn live with you. I just did my first one. I didn't know what I was doing. Let's do I had, it. I'm down. I put a hat on because I was like, I don't look like an idiot. But then I was walking my dog in the dark and I, I, I went on for two and a half hours and I didn't even know people were getting value, but it was, uh, it was fun because that's where my people are. Excel people. I know like Miss Excel or whatever on Instagram with 600,000 followers and makes whatever ton of money, but I'm not going to be dancing around and pointing at things and, I can barely get the reel to work. You saw my reel the other day. I was like, I have to flip this image over. I don't know how to zoom in. I don't know how to do anything. It's great. So LinkedIn, though, I get it. You know, it's like not as hard, except for the audio stuff is new. And uh, and I would be happy to do uh, a live with you just to introduce you to it. Because I have Restream, lifetime access to it. 
and I don't use it. And, you know, we could double it to one of your things or do whatever, or we can both get on someone else's thing. I know a lot of people. And, uh, and then you could really see just what it's like. Cause um, it's, I, I've been so bored by LinkedIn for so long. I've been like, no, I'm not doing it. No, get out of here. LinkedIn. You're not cool. People send me invites that are like spammy and I can, I just hate it. Not yeah. that there's not that on Instagram. There's plenty of that too, but, oh yeah, so much but fun. that's just one piece of advice for you, but I will mm. not force it any further. So is this your first podcast, by the way? This is my second podcast. You almost got my first one. So I, I actually, that's okay. A lot of people don't know. And maybe let's get into like our first failures. Uh, we've talked about this, I think briefly been a good friend of mine and I, the, the one that kind of got me into more of the self-help, more motivated, you know, season of life right before I got diagnosed with ADHD, me and him started hanging out, getting work, like working out recent list of motivation, wanting to be like life coaches and stuff. And, um, we started a podcast and it was called abundant FFE coaching. You can actually still go find it. And it's really just a, like a, like an interview style, kind of like conversation style between me, him, and another guy that was doing with, with us, which is actually his dad. And we went through like our framework and all that stuff for like six weeks. And, um, we didn't make it to the seventh episode, which I think that's like pretty common. Right. So there's some stat out there that says like, yeah, why didn't you, why, why didn't you? Uh, because I didn't edit it. This is before I knew I had ADHD and I was like, the admin work of it was just awful. I'd rather just upload it. Um, but I was also, I've got, I've got one I've been working on for three days. I'm 19 <laughs> minutes into it and it's an hour and 44 minutes long. So I am, I am feeling that big time, but also a lot of people say, you know, they go look at their metrics and they're like, okay, nobody's listening. So why are we doing this? And then they quit way before I, so I was one year into it, still getting one download a day. And then I popped up and then I popped up again. And that's what it is. People just give up and they don't focus on a goal they can control. Like how many you put out, they focus on a goal they can't like how many people listen. And if you focus on the content and creating it and getting better at it, eventually people will. There's another reason to get better. All three of us were in like different seasons. We were all starting to start our own business outside of that. So Garrett who's my good friend was as a real estate agent here in Charleston. So he was trying to build that business. I was trying to monetize my side of the business of, of coaching before it was ADHD coaching actually. And then his dad was also in a training program for a coach and working at a full-time construction job inside. So it was like, that kind of fell as like a back burner, right? Like we weren't making yeah. any money off of it. We're all trying to, to provide for our families. And so it was hard to logically say, let's go rather than doing an hour or two on our business, let's spend an hour or two making this podcast. And so and that's why I kind of fell off too. And then a lot of time editing it. Yeah. You know, to your point about yeah. admin stuff. But so you, this is your first time being a guest on a podcast. Yeah. Is that accurate? Nope. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, so this is my second time as a guest. Uh, I was on a another ADHD coaches podcast for kids, actually. So the ADHD podcast for kids, which was very interesting. Very hard to talk to a group of kids. Has it been released? Yeah, it has. Yes. Okay. Well, you'll be the first one on IMDb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. From this, because <laughs> they probably didn't put that there, and you're definitely going on there. So, what was? So, did you finish college? You did. You said you got the paper. Yes. Yeah, so uh, right. You met your wife. Yeah. Um, met my wife my sophomore year. We dated for two and a half years, and then got married five months after college. We got we actually got engaged the day before graduation, and then in November of that year got married. So November 4th of this past year was 
four years, five years. Oh Lord. (laughs) Four years, four years. Just say the right answer now and I will, I will edit it to be right. (laughs) Yeah. It's four years. Uh, No, it should be fine. We always do this back and forth. It's funny, but um, I I love it. I'm going to call it an an engagement is what you guys did. You got engaged and graduated within 48 hours. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically within 24 hours. (laughs) <laughs> exactly so, same day basically yep so yeah i graduated that's awesome how did it feel did it feel like you finally were accepted by somebody or yeah because you get some rsd right you want to tell people what rsd is <laughs> oh no so this actually just brought up my like nothing to do with rsd this is my biggest fail oh thankfully can i so can we go into that yes please so and i'm glad we talked about this because it wasn't even on my mind you know, we started thinking about failures and like what was, i was going to talk about but like uh my engagement was a fail and so it's very much like me i'm very i've always i've had very unfortunate events happen to me quite often i've been knocked out by a box that fell off of a shelf like for no reason i've you know had stitches from a pillow before like you know just weird stuff i'm like cartoonish acme uh wiley coyote stuff yeah yeah like just in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time or just careless at times like thought like just didn't give something enough thought and so something stupid happened so this is this is the the epitome of all that. So I bought the ring is in a really big wooden box and I could not fit this really big wooden box in my pocket without her knowing that it was about to happen. We used to take walks on the beach all the time here in Solomon's Island here in Charleston and go watch the, the sunset and all this other stuff. So we went and walked. It was before graduation, obviously. So I was like nervous. And so I told her like, I needed to go like de-stress before all these final exams and all this other stuff come up and so like, why don't we just go walk on the beach to just relieve some stress? <laughs> and I had already like set up like her sister somewhere. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I imagine fanny packs were not in, in style at the time. So you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't utilize that. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so I just had like a button up shirt on some, some khakis and flip flops, whatever. And um, we get to the beach. I had her, her sister set up down the road or down the, the beach a little bit to take pictures. And so everyone knew but her. And so we started walking and I had put the ring in my front pocket right here, like I'm in the collar shirt, you know, and um, just by itself, not in a box. And uh, we got to the beach. We t- Ooh, that's a that's a dicey move. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It was very, very stupid. <laughs> Sandy Beach, too. So we got to the beach. Yep, go ahead. Took our, <laughs> yeah, took off our shoes. It was a bit windy, so we started walking down the beach. And so we were like, well, we should go move our shoes so we don't get covered up by sand and we don't lose them. So we went and picked up our shoes. Started walking again. Um, you know, every once in a while I do a look a little security check to make sure it was still there and didn't lose it. I not to mention I spent like two years saving up for this thing because I was a broke college student and I worked part-time at a Chick-fil-A. So making yeah. money was not like a consistent thing for me. So of course. It took me a plus you're like, is it my nipple or is it my rock hard nipple or is it my the ring? Oh, it's the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got to a, a you know a point where we were about to turn around again and go back towards the spot where we were going to get engaged. And so I gave another tap. I didn't feel it. It was gone. And I'm freaking out inside my head, right? Like, uh, you know, she doesn't know. I don't want her to know that she's about to get engaged. And, you know, because it ruins the surprise. Well, so we, we started backpedaling back, like through our steps without me telling her what was going on. I just kind of naturally brought us back from the exact path that we come through. And I was checking, looking at the ground 
And in my mind, visual metal detector kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I was in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, we bent down right here to like feel the water and it fell out of my pocket and went in the ocean and we're never going to find it again. Or the shoes. I heard the shoes came off. Or the shoes. Yeah. So we get back, we sit down on a log where we had sat for a few minutes and talked and I'm looking around my feet and stuff. And she's kind of like, what, what's going on? What are you, why are you acting so weird? What, you know? And at that point I was like, I've already looked everywhere like just passively and I need her help. If we're going to find this thing, I need her help. <laughs> so if you can just imagine, I'd turn to my girlfriend and soon to be fiance, hopefully, and tell her you were going to get engaged. I had a ring in my pocket and you know, I was going to propose. Well, you don't say you're going to get engaged. You just say, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Well, I was saying like, we were, it was a little bit presumptuous. You know, I, I started by saying I had a ring in my pocket. Okay. And she's like, she started crying immediately. And like, had no idea what was going on yet. She just started crying. And I was like, now we need to find it. <laughs> She's like, what do you mean we need to find it? And I'm like, it was in my pocket. It's no longer my pocket. <laughs> I just want to interject because my superhero yeah. power, I call myself the finder. So that would be where I would, you know, you send up the beacon and then I find things because I can find any lost thing that you've ever lost. So keep going. So now you've enlisted her help. And she's yeah. like trying to manage the the surprise of being engaged to and also the <laughs> shock of having no ring. And it's somewhere on this giant beach. So, you, you know, she was mad. She was sad. She was excited, nervous, whatever. Because like like you mentioned earlier, it's a ring, a diamond ring. It's, it was rose gold. So it's almost the exact same color as the sand. And I just texted her sister and said, hey, I lost a ring. I need your help to go find it. So she's walking and it's taken her 45 minutes to get to us. So couldn't find out she's a mile down beach. We would have never made it to her. Never. Plus you're stepping on sand. You might be like burying it as you're walking. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally we're looking around. Her sister makes it to us. My brother-in-law, now my brother-in-law, makes it to us to help us look for it. You know, after about 15 or 20 minutes, we found it. And like you said a second ago, you, you picked it right up, was right where I picked up our shoes at the very beginning of the walk, very beginning of the walk. And it was upside down. The, the diamond was in the sand, like upside down, barely sticking out. And so, yeah, we picked it up and I was relieved almost to the point where I forgot to ask her to marry me. Yeah, all right, cool. Let's go home. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> You're all good, everybody. Yeah. So here we are, you know, four and a half years later, almost. <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you something I haven't mentioned on the podcast. So I have a, uh, I wear this every day. I never take it off except for maybe to shower. It's my grandfather's dog tag from the Korean war. So it's a real one that he wore. Um, my other cousin has the other one, but we were playing Walmart tag on our way to, um, West Virginia to do like habitat for humanity kind of thing, but it wasn't called that, but it was similar. And so we're doing Walmart tag. And then I'm like, Oh no, I'm like, Oh no. Oh no, whatever that song is. And then <laughs> just to get it stuck in your head, but it's basically like, I need to find this thing and I need to find it fast. Cause we're on a school trip. Basically they're going to want to leave. And I got to go through this whole store, Walmart and figure out where I drop this and we we're playing tag. So it's like, it's not like we were doing logical stuff. We were just running around. So finally in the little girl section, I find the dog tag on the ground. I'm like, thank the Lord. I cannot believe that I found it, but it's still around my neck now. And I was 14 at the time. So that was 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. Holy moly. I was not even as old as the difference between now and then, which is uh, an interesting thing. But the point is when you're losing one, when you're missing one of those things, whether it's either incredibly valuable 
financially or significant and you're under a time crunch and you're like panicking because you didn't want things to go this way. I can only imagine how much you were freaking out. And what can you walk us through the relief you felt when you found it? Because you said you almost didn't ask her. Were you just like cheering in your head that you found it? And that was really what it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was so relieved that we found it. But my first thought was my dad's going to kill me. (laughs) Oh, I told you, like, it went back to earlier, like classic. Yeah. Well, I I was like, it's going to prove everyone right, because I'm careless. I was always known as careless and like that, like I wasted money and all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, I just spent nearly two years saving up for this ring. It was all paid off. And all of a sudden I have to do it again because I can't like I lost it. And like, it's the most careless thing I've ever done. It felt like. And um, so we found it. I was first relieved that like, it's not going to prove everyone right. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not careless because you were had a lot of care in the thought of not having to show her the box. And like it was it was meant with care. It was just yeah. poorly implemented, which is what we do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 100 percent. 100 percent. And the fact that neither one of us saw it fall out of our pocket, my pocket. Right. Like when we bent over, it slid out and, you know, we're looking at the sand. I mean, how? One, I'm kind of thankful because that's that's now the the story I get to tell is that crazy story. But if had it just fallen out and like landed on my hand and she saw it, it's like, well, there's the the climactic event. There's no longer climactic. It just falls out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, so yeah, relief was definitely a feeling. Excitement was a feeling. You know, I felt bad too because it's kind of like one of those things that like girls look forward to forever. And then something crazy like this happens. And you planned it out. You planned everything out. Yeah. You bought the ring. You had everybody there. You did everything right. That was great. And then apparently you didn't do any more nip checks until, I mean, since the shoes went off and then you stopped checking, I guess, mm-hmm. for a while. Right. It must yeah. have been a while. Yeah. It was like 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and you remember like now, now that we know that ADHD is a thing, like 30 <laughs> to 45 minutes, like the entire 30 or 45 minutes is a black hole at that point. Like I don't remember anything. Like where we went, what happened. Especially because the panic sets in. You're like, oh, I just blacked out all of a sudden because it's like yeah. I am a million thoughts in your head yeah. all at once. So, but yeah, I mean, then I was excited because like I found it and I didn't have to buy a new ring and we were able to get engaged. And then we went back and celebrated with friends and family. I got to tell the story immediately and just relive the pain immediately. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, she was excited. She was um, very surprised. She wasn't expecting it. Like, we had, we had kind of... She's like, is he really hiding a ring or is he just lying? He just He's he's fake dropping it in the sand? Yeah, okay, Mr. Poor Man. Made for a, a decent <laughs> hashtag. Made for a decent hashtag. But we had, like, masked this graduation party as, you know, it was actually an engagement party, but it looked like a graduation party. But when we got back, they transformed it into an engagement party. Mm-hmm. Um, which was awesome. And all of her friends and family were there. And, and you know, I'm, I'm actually really proud of it. And not a lot of people get a story like that. It was a fail, but it was also like, just a, I don't know. I laugh so much at it now. It's like people love hearing the story too. People love that type of stuff. That's why the world's number one failure thing. If I get become successful because of this, I'm going to laugh myself to death because it's the stupidest way to become successful. Just say you're the world's biggest failure. Like what? That works. Yeah. I was doing the real job thing the whole time, and then that didn't work. I got good at my my craft of the job, and that didn't help because people don't know how to manage someone with ADHD, and they're not going to hire you up to above into the C suite when you're doing Excel stuff like a champ. They're going to put someone above you to make sure you're 
doing the, the thing you're good at, the technical skills. They're not going to let you, you know, break through that ceiling. So it's like, well, if I'm going to take something that's seven hours that my boss did and make it take 15 minutes and you're going to pay him more money than me, I'm going to tell you to take seven hours and I'm going to screw off for six hours and 45 minutes. And that's why I'm in the top 500 Reddit comment karma because I was messing around at work all the time and Reddit was something that wasn't blocked by our IT system or whatever. I was working for in-app companies that didn't even have IT systems. And so like I have over a million karma on there. It doesn't give me any clout anywhere though. So like I go to Instagram, I look like a jackass with 300 followers. My personal one is more followers somehow and I'm trying so hard for the other one, but I don't care about followers. It's more like just trying to mess things up and figure out how to do it. Cause that's my thing is fail it till you nail it is what I say instead of fake it till you make it. It's just, I like that you shared that story because I mentioned RSD, which you'll explain in just a moment, but that, that meant, you know, to you, it was like, what stories do you relate with that? And that's apparently the, this engagement thing, but do you mind telling the listeners what RSD is? Cause I'm not sure if I touched on it on any of the other episodes. Yeah. So RSD is something that's not recognized by the DSM-5 yet. It's not like diet. You can't be diagnosed with RSD. It's more or less just a symptom of ADHD at the moment that people are learning more and more about. And I've even gotten to the point now where I start saying ADHD is an emotional disorder rather than like a, you know, people think it's like brain disability and all this, like a developmental disorder, which technically Mm -hmm. I guess it is too. But uh, most of the struggles you see with ADHD, whether it's procrastination, organization, memory, like all of that is tied to emotions. Right. So whether it's procrastination, for example, is usually we procrastinate because we're trying to avoid a negative emotion that we've had in the past from a certain task or whatever. So mm-hmm. RSD is rejection sensitive dysphoria. Uh, and it's this idea that people with ADHD feel negative and positive emotions deeper than someone without ADHD. Like, so when we feel rejection, uh, we feel it much deeper. So therefore we are terrified of it. So a lot of us with people like, I mean, it's more, I think it's more with inattentive type and combined type than hyperactive type, but mm-hmm. uh, that's what led me to, you know, 25 years of, of not knowing is because I didn't want to feel rejected. I was a, I was in a, a professional people pleaser. All I did was, was mask to my environment and fit in wherever I was at. So I didn't have to feel that rejection. And so I didn't have any enemies. I, I couldn't handle having an enemy. Like I, I had yeah. to make everything right all the time. I was pretending like I like sports yeah. in Boston because Boston <laughs> yeah. is all about sports. And then like, you sports, can even yeah. watch every game. And then if you're not wa- look, going on Barstool Sports or whatever and like keeping up with absolutely everything, you still are behind the times. And yeah. so one of my jobs I got fired from, I was at the World Series 2013 game six where the Red Sox win the World Series. I'm there at Fenway for the first time they win the World Series at Fenway since 1918. I'm the least deserving fan to be there because I barely paid attention all year long, but I won the tickets at work. And then right after they win, I go to my coworkers. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I spark up a J? Because we just won the World Series. They said, nope, don't mind. And then come to find out, they did mind. So then I'm like, screw you guys. I'm out of here. And I went to Colorado where in 2014, January 1st, they legalized recreational. And I was there January 10th (laughs) to try it out. And then yeah. move there in March. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to get fired again from another job because of, and, and they were a super alcohol company. They were like, they had a Christmas party. We can only bring alcohol for each other. It's like, how hypocritical can you be? I mean, there's no chance that someone who's getting drunk all the time is going to be better than someone who's getting, I mean, like, you know, be consistent at least with your, yeah. with your policies, but yeah. it's just, 
it's crazy how well now that's coming around now you can get a medical card and stuff and i had a medical card so it's like these weird things where like we are trying to just get things that solve our problems and literal medical professionals are telling us this is what you have this is what you need sure marijuana might be a little bit more easy to get uh, access to from a medical side but the point is that's because it's not really even federally regulated if it was done in a way that was federal i'm sure it would be just like adderall and stuff but i'm amazed at how many drugs like xanax and opioids and all these other ones were not included in the same category and it's like we are the weird drug fiends like we're the criminals yeah it's like what's going on here you know that's why i love that meme of like and i used it the other day on my story of like i, I had three alarms set and i still forgot to take my medication <laughs> you know people were like it's addicting it's you know it's like it's like legal crack or whatever and i'm like yeah. No, like it's not like I forget to take my medication when I need it. Like I, <laughs> I don't, I'm not like itching to take it tomorrow morning. You know, like it's, I literally can't remember sometimes to take it because it all it does is just clear me, like clear my head. Like it just helps me focus. Um, and it's not addicting. So there's a whole bunch of stimulus. I remember being late for the job because I had like eight alarms, of course, and I slept through all of them. And then it's like 11 or 1130. And then they're calling like my family and stuff. I'm like, OK, this definitely isn't an emergency. I don't know why you would be doing that. But also they wanted to get me down as a no call, no show so they can put it in my file. And I'm like, so fire you. exactly. And I'm like, I'm not keeping a file of all the stuff you guys are doing wrong. You know, I don't have time for that. I barely have mm -hmm. time to do to fuck off on Reddit, you know, so. <laughs> Since we're going a little bit long, uh, I just want to see, is there any thoughts or things about failure that you want to touch on before we get to the last couple of questions, which are more forward looking and less retrospective and, or at least less than the past? Yeah, um, absolutely. This is, a, this is, I love, this is one reason I wanted to come on this podcast really is because like, I love what you're doing, just like embracing failure. And, you know, I was sitting down with a good friend of mine the other day and you know, Chris, um, one of the moderators in our clubhouse room, mm -hmm. we were talking about resiliency and ADHD. We're learning more and more about ADHD because I want to continue to push the the education of it on my platform and stuff. But think about like resiliency. And as I mentioned earlier, I love to snowboard. And me and my wife and uh, another friend of ours went snowboarding and skiing a couple of weeks ago. And the friend was really frustrated because she kept falling. And it was hard for her to get up. And uh, I was on the, the lift with my wife one time, just me and her. I didn't want the other girl to feel bad. So I mentioned, um, you know, if we could just help her find an easier way to get up, she wouldn't be as scared to fall, which would then make her a better skier because then she wouldn't be avoiding the fall. She would be just skiing. Right. So oftentimes I think and I, I realized like a week later, it actually applies to life too. For me, I was always scared to fall because it was hard for me to get up. Right. It was painful to get up. I would be exhausted when I finally get up. And then so I would be living life avoiding the fall or the fail. Right. So, yeah, it would lead me to this. Like I wouldn't be confident. I would just be like too cautious. You know, once you realize that you can get up quickly and you're resilient, uh, then you're not spending all your life res like resisting the fall because then you can just fall and get right back up. It doesn't hurt to get back up. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that for me is, has been pretty consistent over the last like two years. I haven't been terrified of, I was terrified of failure before because of the rejection or the, even if it was just myself rejecting myself, you know, that, that's maybe a little too deep, but like, no, it is not because it actually <laughs> happens a lot and you guys do it before you even say anything. And then it's like, right. And I say you guys in the inattentive types, yeah, you're, you're already rejecting yourselves before something happens or, or no matter which way you slice it, when you give them feedback, it's like rejection, rejection, rejection. It's like, yeah, 
I'm not saying that I'm rejecting you. I'm just saying, hey, here's a piece of advice that I think would help you, but there's no way to couch that enough, really, for someone mm-hmm. who's already questioning themselves. It just sticks out the way. And the reason I'm so bright right now is because I pulled up my email and the quote in the bottom of my email is fall seven times and stand up eight. <laughs> this Japanese proverb, right? So anyways, the point is, I totally agree with you. Tony Robbins says a similar thing. Like, how long do you, you know, wait before you stop trying to get a baby to walk? You know, mm-hmm. they'll just yeah. keep trying until they walk. You know, you don't give up because that's how life is. But then once you're old enough to know that the world sucks and people can be mean uh you know the getting up to walk becomes getting up to talk and then it's like you don't want to do that because you don't want to get up like the more you fail at something the more you're like oh i don't want to do that thing anymore and then the more people just really stop doing it if you do it a few times and you keep failing yeah there's almost no chance people are going to keep going unless they realize that the only path to success is by failing mm-hmm true success, like real success, not like blueprint bullshit success from college, but like the magical stuff. Yeah. And I would say like that, that learning that over time has helped me kind of get to where I am now too, even with social media, which we haven't spent a ton of time on. That's been a massive <laughs> mindset shift for me. When I, we talked about RSD, it actually links to that too. And to failure mm-hmm. in the sense of like, in order for me to stop fearing failure, I had to first accept myself and I like learn how to love myself. That's why I skipped it. I went flipped it around. I was like, I can't love myself. So I'm just going to do the other way. And then yeah. I'll figure out because people will want to support me. If I, if I keep saying how, how terrible I am, it's not how terrible I am. It's more like I fail a lot. So I might as well get used to it kind of thing. But everybody listening at this moment, I have like 317 followers and Damon has what? 27,000 or something like that. Right around that. Yeah. Real quick, how'd you get there? What was the what was the way? Was it was a long slog, or did you get randomly viral? How'd that happen? No, it was, it was actually very fast. Um, so the path leading up to it, you know, twenty twenty one, I just started my business in March and decided, you know, I don't know, I always had this hate for social media because it's like giving into the mask, right? So like, you ever want to put on this facade that everything's perfect and and stuff like that, which is, I think, another reason why when it, it links to RSD, like hating to be on social media, because I felt like I had to show all of my successes, right? No one would put that engagement story on their on their Instagram, right? But I yeah. want to like now. And so how I got to where I am on Instagram is by radically accepting myself and being who I like, truly who I am on social media, right? It's it's different. It's unique. People, people put on facades all the time on Instagram. And so in September, mm-hmm. I had 400 followers just like you. All right. I guess you have like 300 something. And then. Okay. But I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. So over the course of October, November, December, uh, beginning of January, I had 24,000 followers. And so. <laughs> what was it? What was it? it? To me, it still blows my mind. It doesn't make any fun. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So. I know. Isn't that crazy sometimes? It was, it was the rad- radical authenticity. I think it was just me. Yes doing it for myself. Like that was like, when we talk about getting out of your comfort zone, even now with 27,000 followers, every single time I think about posting on Instagram, I start to sweat, right? Like, and I have all the validation in the world to get out there because people, you know, I have all these followers, people love me, people comment and all that stuff, but you come back to the internal validation. It's like, I still tell myself these lies and no one wants to see me. No one, I'm not from value. With, with creativity. I mean, if you can feel like, Hey, I, you know, whatever the muse is gone. I don't have the, 
you know, the thing anymore. I, I lost it. A lot of people can think like it's a one-time trick or whatever, but creativity is, is never ending. There's no end to it. You just got to really think about how you can be creative and anybody who's putting stuff out there that's at all unique and their own is a creator mm. and you should think of yourself that way. And then the more you think of yourself that way, the more you are okay doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, I mean, there's some strategy behind growing too. I had some help with learning a lot about it or a lot about Instagram and, you know, being consistent with when I posted in December, I did 31 days in a row, which if you think about ADHD, it's like works hundred percent against ADHD, right? Like when can we ever do something 31 days in a row? It, it just doesn't happen. So for me, that was a big part of that growth. Yeah. And I don't even care about the numbers. Oh, I know you don't. Cause that, cause you don't, it, it comes across, you know, that you don't, I yeah. don't care about some of my numbers. Like I've had, so many people visit my Excel site. I've heard had over 25 million minutes of my voice listened to explain Excel. Probably I done, I did the calculation years ago. It was 15 million. And then I just, I just kind of assume where it's going because I moved everything from Vimeo to YouTube. And now it looks like I have no, no views because I wanted to get ads. But mm. the point is uh, I need to be like in the top 1% of something before I'll brag about it because otherwise mm -hmm. I just know how much there is that I don't know. And I just can't, can't do it. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. Now this is a visa gift card. And so I'm just going to fake hand it to you and you can fake take it, but Thanks, sir. get out of fail free card. So this is, I explained it before the show, so I won't do the same thing I do every time, but it's basically um, if you wanted to pursue something, if you wanted to go down a path that you didn't go down, Obviously, you, you succeeded in social media on Instagram. Is there a, is there something that you would have done differently? It sounds like you were doing, doing a lot of workout stuff or snowboarding. Maybe you'd be a professional Red Bull sponsored flight guy. I have no idea. What would be the thing you could do if failure was not on the table? Mm. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's got a lot to do with with snowboarding. Uh, like I said, the first three times I went, I actually skied, and so I would have started earlier, and I would have started snowboarding earlier. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Let's do it again. I mean, let's see. Let's hear some real things. What do you want to do? Would you want to be an actor? Did you want to do anything? What's the thing that you would not do? You did snowboarding. Yeah. What would be the thing you wouldn't do? And so therefore you'd use the card for it. You know, uh, I'd probably use it for working out or stand up comedy or anything else that I struggle with. Maybe it's cleaning. I don't even know what your thing would be. No. Yeah. And so this one's going to sound really funny. It's actually hard for me to say. You got it. <laughs> Before all of this, my passion was basketball. You're tall, right? And so, uh, no. <laughs> okay. So you look tall. I look short. No, I'm 5'11". I'm 5'11". I'm 5'11 too. Everyone looks, says I look short. You look tall. Okay. Yeah. We're yeah. Height. So I, I would have, yeah, I would have tried to be a, a college basketball player or a college coach when I actually graduated with exercise science. No, NBA, dude. You can't fail. Fair enough. Don't stop at college. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'd be, <laughs> you know, like the next Muggsy Bugs or something like he wasn't that short. I mean, he wasn't that tall, right? The shortest NBA white kid ever. <laughs> he was five, six. Or <laughs> yeah, something, he was right? super short. Super short. Um, <laughs> okay, you're already rejecting yourself there. You're you're uh, lowering yourself. Most yeah. people who are five eleven say they're six feet, and I say no. I'm five ten and three quarters because actually, no, it's not five eleven, but I'm pretty damn close. So I'll round up a quarter of an inch, but I'm not going to give myself that other. You know, even though who's going to really tell the difference? But I'm faking it. I don't like it. But now you're saying this about like, if I could do anything and I couldn't fail, I'm like, I would, I would want to be like a, 
a, a big mountain snowboarder, like legitimately like pro level, like dropping from helicopters and Sean, what was his name? Yeah. It's like Sean White. Um, Sean White. Yep. Because that, that would, you know, that would, there's a lot that goes along with that. There's a lot of time on the mountain before that too. And helicopter though. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I have fear of flying. So like you just took snowboarding, which is already like, I've never done. And then you added in the fear of flying so, part. Yeah. They're going out to like uh tell your ride and like going to these untouched places and like jumping out of a helicopter yeah. at the very top of a mountain that's never been that, snowed. The freshest pile pile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's something I might eventually get to actually do, but there you go. I'm talking about like getting paid to do it and like, you know, being on Go, GoPro videos and stuff. The Red Bull. Like that. <laughs> Red Bull. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, exactly. Sponsored in the X Games and all that jazz. So, yeah, let's go with that. That's awesome. I love that. Um, And then the last question before we get to where people can find you and make sure they can find you sure. is um, what's the next thing you're going to fail at? What's the next big failure? What's the thing you're going to fail until you succeed so i say like i said earlier in the show instead of fake it till you make it i say fail it till you nail it so what's the next big thing that you're going to take on that you have not done and i hope it's linkedin but you can say whatever you want no no, no. i was thinking like this is maybe gonna come from left field and my wife won't even know that i'm gonna say this probably um it's probably parenthood Ooh, nice that's a tough one yeah um you know it's getting about that time we're about a year so i, I never actually said this but you know, I didn't make my first dollar until August. This is opening a whole other can of worms. So we're only six six months into my business, but it's gonna be a point where like, hey, we like giving it away for free. Yeah. Right. I mean, we yeah. like giving. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Honestly, that's the trick. That's how you do. I, I'm writing a book right now. I've not told anybody, so I'll just throw this other <laughs> two. It's called When Givers Meet, and it's about not just like the go giver thing, but more like when two people who like to give. Mm interact with each other then it's like an arms race it's like who who can outgive the other person and how can you keep doing that yeah. that's the best kind of thing because everybody wins fun fact um i have it written on my fridge and it's been there since april of last year i want to give away fifty thousand dollars in 2023 and put that in perspective on my taxes this past year that we just did two weeks ago mm -hmm. my wife and i netted six and a half thousand dollars in profit so for me to give away 50 grand is like radical, right? But giving, uh, that's just, that's me thinking large. Yeah. Power of giving. And also I think I've lost money on the books for the last two years because I spend more money than I make usually. And if I'm making money, I, it's funny. Cause I joked that I couldn't take my job home with me. So I was like, I can financially plan another business, but if it's my own money and I get to do what I want with it, it's like, I don't, I'm already tapped out on finances and I don't want mm -hmm. to think about it. And then it's like, it's playtime. I can do whatever I want and I don't do the stuff that I can do for other people. So I have to probably trick myself that there's someone else who needs my help other than me in order to get myself to excel, model my own business or get somebody else to actually make money off my business so that then I can care about it. Cause when it's just me, it seems so, so selfish. I like, I instead go do a podcast, even though start a podcast even though i have a business that's like doing well finally you know it's ridiculous mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i'm like oh, i'll go do something for free having like, a partner right like having a business partner would help someone with adhd because like now you have to do your parts to make sure that they don't yeah like pay for your lack or whatever but if i'm 100 percent ownership which i am right now <laughs> it makes it really hard to like stay motivated and not like same here affecting me that's why giving the 50 grand thing yeah. is a good, a good goal. I like goal. that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm going to match you on that. 
and I'm going to try to give away 50 grand too. And who knows if I'll even make 50 grand in my own business, but things <laughs> hey. are starting to click now. And I think it's, it's uh time to start putting my money where my mouth is. Cause I love yeah. talking about giving. And there's something that I have not yet read on the podcast. I'm going to read it real quick before we get to your, pl- sure. no, you plug first and aligned with the, uh, with okay. the reading. Cause that way, if people check out for the reading, <laughs> they'll at least know where to find you. So we're, where can people go to find you? I already know the answer with Instagram, but you should tell them for sure. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram um, at winning with ADHD. I have about 27,000 followers right there. It's just it focuses education and community around ADHD. Um, so even if you don't have ADHD and you just want to learn about it, there's some entertaining content there and hopefully some stuff that'll shed some light on it. Um, I'm also on Clubhouse um, at the Winning with ADHD Club. We meet three times a week and just chat. And he's rushing through. So everybody winning with ADHD, just to be Thank clear. You. Thank you. I talk fast when I get excited about stuff. Same. So I'm going to have to like enunciate. Or when it's about yourself, self-promotional, that's also yeah, yeah. a thing. So I, do, I do have a website, uh, winadhd.com, W-I-N-A-D-H-D.com. <laughs> winadhd. This is going to go on the show notes, so people... Never look there, but if you ever find out where the show notes are, people, this is all going to be there. Uh, so very MVP, right? So minimum viable product. It's not super in-depth. It's just a little bit about me and my story and how to find me and, and hire me if you'd like to. Um, so I am an ADHD coach for adults with ADHD. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. I do say that that's like my ideal client is people who want to learn how to start a business or have already started their business and just struggling to do the things. Or successful business owners, I imagine you'd also help. Yes, I do. Yeah. They have more money. I believe. Actually, I work with more <laughs> successful business owners than I do with with people who are struggling. I guess most of my uh, clients right now are are studs because they don't know that they're inattentive, and then they have they realize they're lacking something, and then you're going to be able to burn to the next level that they don't Absolutely. even know about. You know, because yeah. they didn't realize they had a problem. So Absolutely. more power to you. Now I'm going to read a quote. It's from 1968 a book called greatest salesman in the world. Some of the pronouns are outdated. So I'm going to update them on the fly because you know how 60 year old stuff sounds. So (laughs) first of all, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm just going to end. Oh man, it's been awesome. I've loved it on this note. And then we can talk and chat afterwards about uh, what you thought the experience was like. Sure. I will greet this day with love in my heart. For this is the greatest secret of success in all ventures. Muscle can split a shield and even destroy life, but only the unseen power of love can open the hearts of men and women. And until I master this art, I will remain no more than a peddler in the marketplace. I will make love my greatest weapon and none on whom I can call will defend against my force. My reasoning they may counter, my speech they may distrust, my apparel they may disapprove, my face they may reject, and even my bargains may cause them suspicion. Yet my love will melt all hearts like into the sun whose rays soften the coldest clay. I will greet this day with love in my heart. But how will I do this? Henceforth will I look on all things with love and I will be born again. I will love the sun for it warms my bones. Yet I will love the rain for it cleanses my spirit. I will love the light for it shows me the way. Yet I will love the darkness for it shows me the stars. I will welcome happiness for it enlarges my heart. Yet I will endure sadness for it opens my soul. I will acknowledge rewards for they are my due, yet I will welcome obstacles for they are my challenge. I will greet this day with love in my heart. But how will I speak? I will applaud my enemies and they will become friends. 
I will encourage my friends and they will become family. Always will I dig for reasons to applaud. Never will I scratch for excuses to gossip. When I'm tempted to criticize, I will bite my tongue. And when I move to praise, I will shout from the rooftops. I will greet this day with love in my heart. I'm Ben and I'm complete. Thank you very much, Damon, for being on the show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And I can't wait for everybody to hear your story and get on LinkedIn. I don't even know why I'm saying this now, because honestly, I hated it for the longest time. So just do it. I can even delete this part. It doesn't matter. I'm going to hit stop, though. And then you did it. I'm, I mean, you still did it, but I got to hit stop. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.